0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Mindset Explosion, and today we're talking about the Champions of Change. We're still on season four, it's episode 28, it's my first interview uh, coming back after the summer, and today uh, I've been really excited about this one. Uh, I've been joined by the lovely Chris, well, G, Gma, Gmama, or Mama, Mama Chris, sorry. Yeah, we've only just talked about this, this is how good my memory is. (laughs) fine chris is fine yes. <laughs> um so if you for those have been you know watching mindset explosion now your son i interviewed your son earlier in the year uh such a remarkable uh, gentleman and, and um he's a teacher we had a great time so he he, he obviously going to talk about his mum in such high regard so we a bit of a chat anyway let, let's find out a little bit more so you've been doing a lot of um charity work and I'm really interested to find out a little bit about your life and how your mindset has had to evolve and um and develop and of course I I think you're very from what we spoke about off camera you're very much about giving and giving back so uh, yeah champions of change was an award that you've recently won um can you tell us a little bit about that
1: um Yes, and the award was through um, the Rotary International in Great Britain and Ireland. And every year they choose amongst, I think, 40 something thousand people and 12 people to award the um, to give the award to. And I was fortunate to be one of them. And it was um, because of um, the charitable works and humanitarian works I do. um, locally and internationally and um yeah that was really it was good to receive humbling
0: yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um for you to you know i think that's quite a big thing to you know raise money for charity regardless uh, for you to make a decision that uh, this is based on a holiday right you had you gone to gambia on holiday uh, yes i did in 2006. Did you... Right. Yeah. 2006. Right. Okay. I was stressed yeah. out. I thought
1: I needed to take um, um, a holiday break somewhere where I could get lots of treatments and just come back refreshed. And I've just started a business. And um, yes, my my whole life changed with that visit. I I just found that senses that I had long forgotten from childhood were suddenly being triggered, Mm. smells, sounds that I could relate to, but didn't know where they came from. And it was all from when I grew up as a child in Nigeria. Um, I I was familiar with things of Nigeria and the food and everything, but it was the first time going back to a place that's not Nigeria, but hearing this sounds that I I could relate to as, as a child. Um, and from that, I I can't put words to what exactly happened, I just felt this push, this desire to help these people and I could see that there was a lot of poverty. Um, I was very confused about it all because I just started my business, my children, husband, life is in England, I was brought up in England. Um, So what can I do? I'm not skilled as a social worker or anything that would improve um, environment, health or anything. So how was I going to impact these people? But in that confusion, I just found myself going back to the Gambia in 2006. I actually went seven times. Every time I came home, I just couldn't settle. I just had the need to go back. but something was was obviously triggering me somehow, and um, as I would often say, and I've said um, leading up to starting the charity, I, I I was born with faith, but I I'm not, I wouldn't say that I was one that um, really put any significance to it. Um, I knew three things from the Bible very well, and I've sort of um, loosely use them to guide my life and um, these really are the the, um, the Ten Commandments um, Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer those are the foundations of how I live my life really to make me do good or think good, have a conscience um, so something started to talk to me someone started to talk to me And I was like, okay, I'll go and instruction sometimes. I'll go and do some of these things and see what happens. And when I did these things, it was making a difference in someone's life or people's lives. So I started to pay more attention to the voice. And from that, I started to have dreams. It was really bizarre. I thought I was going crazy. How could my husband understand it? How could my children understand it? Because I don't understand it. Um, But I just decided that because it was doing good in people's lives, it can't be bad, can it? No, And and started doing it. And from there, um, I I had a vision of doing something with eyes. That's all I could say. I I had a clear vision that I was going to set up um, a day of high care, um, and it was going to help the people in that community. And previously, I'd met a lady in a hotel when I went and explained to her what I was doing. She understood it better than me. And <laughs> I thought, well, it's, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> so I rang her up and said to her, I'm going back to the Gambia. I'm going to do something with eyes. I've told everyone to give me money for my 50th birthday. You're going to come with me. She went, Well, what are you going to do with eyes? I said, Well, I don't know. Um, She said, Okay, I'll come. And she's a nurse. So um, we went and um, bizarre things. The taxi driver we found, he knew people in sight savers where I knew I was the place I needed to go. We were within an hour, we were in front of the Gambia eye care. Director uh, or health director, um he told his secretary, um, one of the doctors of the air care, eye care place, to bring us straight to him. I oh, thought this is crazy, <laughs> um, and I'm like in my tories, short trousers, t-shirt, and so with my friend, and they just looked at me and said, well, "What are you going to do?" So I said, "Well, I just want you to give me the eye care people." And I'm going to do a workshop in Bacau. Um, we're talking about the yeah the Gambia in Bacau, and look at um, sorting people's eyes out. I've come with some ready read glasses. Um, so you know, let's do it. So they said, well, how are you going to do it? If we go door to door, we're not going to get um, get many people. I said, oh no no no, we I I need I've already arranged to have. Um, the local community centre, <laughs> <This is, laughs> so I sort of outlined the vision I'd had, so they said, they just looked at me like I'm crazy, and even my friend said, Chris, how are we going to do this in a few days? But they said they didn't have time, I said, we'll do it. it, it will happen, so they told me all the medication that we'll need for infections and stuff like that, my friend understood it all because she's a nurse, so we went straight to the wholesalers, ordered all the medication, back into Bacow, Um, just uh, it was all like m- crazy really and step by step we just met the right people, it was like we were just led on a path and by the end of the day we'd organised everything. So when they called me and said well, we haven't heard from you, how are you getting on? I said oh it's all sorted, they said what? <laughs> so... <laughs> Two days later, we were delivering a work a eye care workshop that brought over seven hundred people there, no and man. we we had to start turning people away because the day comes to an end, and um, mm-hmm. people were queuing up from four a.m. in the morning, and so many people were just so blessed um, in being able to give them ready-to-read glasses, um, a tube of ointment, this one pound something that was able to take care of infections so that people can work for longer and provide better for their families. I hadn't even seen all this in in it all. Children were able to perform better in schools. I thought, wow. So that was my first experience um, of actually having the community, um, doing something in the community Um, Prior to that, I had started what we called a a charity shop. Um, That was the first thing I did, and I explained it to them because I didn't call it charity shop in Africa, because they would see it as it's going to be free, but I wanted to operate it very much like we do here, and then the money that you get goes to help the community. Because what I saw very clearly was that they just expected me to bring them things and give it to them, but I never felt led to do that. I always was, I knew that I was to be teaching them and empowering them. So yes. that's what I always sought to do. And that with doing that, you, the results are slower, but it's um, sustainable then. and um, So I had to have a lot of patience, which I didn't have a lot of, so I had to develop a lot, yes. <laughs> so, and the charity shop, um, worked, They they understood what I was saying and the money, um, I had to be transparent um, because many people had come before me that promised them stuff and just took pictures of them and went off and did other stuff with it. So why should they trust me? So I knew I had to work with them and be trans- totally transparent and loving. Um, I spent lots of time just sitting, listening, talking. I often challenge some of the views they have about the West and their ideas, but I didn't sort to change them. I wanted them to work with what they have and see the good in what they have and that they have a lot that's good around them. And so with that, there were some people that just wasn't happy about it because I wasn't giving them stuff, but there were lots that actually um, warmed to to my warmth and and stuck around. and I, 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 a lot of discernment had to come into what I was doing because you just don't know who was coming for the right reasons and the wrong reasons. So I had to take time in making decisions and moving forward. So yeah, with with all that, i I started to to build something, and i I started the Oasis project, the Gambia as a charity and with no experience of anything. And and I was clear that I wanted to impact the community in the areas of health, environment, and education. Because um, if the environment's not conducive, people are not going to feel good about themselves, um, and they're not going to be healthy. And if we don't educate, um, then you're not, you know, it's difficult to make any lasting change. So, um, yeah, we, we start, I started doing stuff with um, um, the youth of the community. We started cleaning environments. I taught them to be able to actually put money together and go and give it to somebody else rather than keeping it for yourself. Because that's what I've been doing. I don't have abundance, but in the little I have, I, I'm bringing some to, to share with you. So <laughs> There were lots of lessons like that and a lot of backlash as well, but um, I I knew I was doing it for a genuine reason. So I didn't let those things stop me. Yes, they affected me. um, But I I had a good backup in a a minister over there who often prayed over me and some days were really tough, but I, I knew that... What I was doing was right. That one person wasn't going to stop something that was going to be good for for many.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, I love that story. <laughs> I could listen to you all day, Chris. Uh, mm-hmm. And I can totally see why they've given you the the name Mama. Really. <laughs> um, such an interesting story because obviously, if we go back to the beginning, I'm just thinking about. Ironically, you had a vision, and you're the visionary behind the whole thing, and it was. You know, it started with you know helping with eyes, and I guess when you put something out, really out to the universe, or to God, or to angels, whoever, whatever your, you know, your your life force yeah. leads you with, it things start to happen. And I think you know, there's so many lessons in anyone watching this, whether it be to help with charity or starting something new, when you put it out there, you you start to things just start to happen, don't they? And you said about the taxi driver, and it's like. Things fall into place at the right time when you need it. And it's not luck. I don't believe it's luck at all. No. Um, and I love the fact where you people were, I think when you are that visionary sometimes that there will be people that just won't get it. it because I think we're quite unique in that sense. And um, um, When you've got a great idea, um, not everyone's going to understand it, but I think the fact that you just so much trusted in yourself and, you know, mm. the, the, the external things that are around you given whether it be the dreams or, or whatever and I, I i get it you sometimes think am i going a bit what's going on here but i think yeah you it whether it is or not it, it, when you i think when you wholeheartedly believe in what it is you're going to get from this and you never know do you and you said like it was it had a knock-on effect of things you didn't even mm-hmm. consider um mm-hmm. and i guess I, I really admire the fact that you've gone there to make a change not you know giving is great but i think sometimes the gift the best gift we can give is knowledge and obviously people got to make that choice to change haven't they so i guess Mm -hmm. we can't please everyone but sometimes you know we have to make those tough decisions which is for the greater good and it sounds like it's it's really paid off so and do you you said about where you challenged you know there, there was some point of views on the maybe from the west um do you feel that your upbringing where you said that triggered off a lot of memories, do you feel that helped you? Like, it, it, do you think that had a bit, was it was a bit more meaningful than say someone is coming over for, I'm going to be, um, oh my God, what's the word, but I'm not saying people go there. Hey, let's just do the photos and then go. Cause obviously a lot of things were promised, <laughs> but do you feel your, 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 like, um, <laughs> Say <in Nigeria>. <laughs> I'm trying to get my words out it's going back it's just being born um, in Nigeria and growing up there where it triggered off those memories do you feel that that was a big part that was an important factor in what you've been able to do and to understand the people's not fully because you wouldn't have lived that life but just, just have that kind of understanding um, that's a
1: really really good question um, i I. A straight answer to that would be actually that no, because um, I was brought up in England. Yeah. Um, I was nine when I left Nigeria, and all my upbringing, even when I was in Nigeria, was um, with English-speaking communities and yeah. schools. So um, I didn't... I Yes, I, I ate African food and... Yeah. I heard the music and my parents, you know, growing up, um, engaged. But really, um, in my upbringing, very much the Western world is what has had the influence with me. And that was what I knew. And I hadn't been back to Nigeria since I left. And this was like 30-something years later. So it it all came very strange. But what I also found in the Gambia was as a black person in 2006, they regarded me as nothing. <laughs> they really did. Yeah. They, 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 if you had a white skin, they gave you everything. I'll be in queues and they'll bypass me and go to somebody else. Even whilst I was doing for their communities, they just saw me as nothing. So... Um, I had to be clear on why I was doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, in saying that, you know, sort of where you look is where you go. If I'm looking at how they were looking at me or what they were doing to me, I would have run a mile. Yeah. So I had to continue to look at, um, the lead, the leading, um, that I had and um the bigger picture um that actually it's a privilege for me to be able to be touched to impact a life and so to be able to impact many lives is a privilege now that might be hard to understand that if someone's kicking you you get up and you want to give them a nice stroke yeah, um cool. But I I think that's what the world in some ways may have lost that is just about us. Um, But sometimes it isn't. You, You get from actually being nice to somebody who's been horrible to you because you see the change in them and you just don't know who that person can be to you. And that's actually what I've seen in the Gambia, that those that regarded me as nothing are the ones that now um see me as everything for my 60th birthday they just had this amazing party for me in the, in the town it, it it was really i i just wasn't expecting it it was it was brilliant and that that was like um 12 13 years later um and had i looked at the bad things I wouldn't be able to enjoy that joy because even in, in England, I can't see anyone doing that for me, even with the things I do in my community.
0: Yeah. But so, um, do you think with that situation? Because I think that surprised me really. Um, but obviously you've been able to, you've obviously been able to teach that um as a black woman, that I guess it, it, like culture so as a woman as well did that make a difference yes it totally because gambi is
1: um over 90 percent muslim right and um so uh, you know we it, it's not a criticism or anything um no. you know sort of men have the say and that's how it works and i don't know that that's a bad thing but you know that's how it is so and we're going back to 2006 even two thousand and six in England, there were lots of things that's all right now that wasn't then. So um, it made it harder because I'll just walk into a room and I, who are you? <laughs> um, and then to years later, walking into the room and people saying, "Hi, Chris," you know, m- m- you know, glad to see you back. And they organise a meeting just to listen to my ideas and how we can improve the community. I, you know. Um, I don't say that in an arrogant way, because um, I think it takes a lot for that sort of change to come in the people that have made the change. Um, And that was part of the working together with the community and the community leaders, the councils. But um, I had to suck a lot up and be very humble. Um, And it it, it has paid off for um, the ordinary people in the community that just don't have a voice. Um and I, I don't mind speaking for them because I can speak. Um and somehow I can get people to listen to me. And I I I don't want to use that carelessly. Um yeah. so I use it to impact the lives of the people that are underprivileged.
0: Yeah, but I I guess that's your skill as an influencer, but not in the sense of maybe what we might think influencers are now on social media. um, It's a force force for good, right?
1: Yeah, I'm not afraid to start something new because um, I'm not afraid to fail um, because I think when you fail in something, although at the time it really hurts, it's a time Mm. to reflect and think of the things you won't do again. Um, new ideas come back stronger and do something that is going to to work um yeah, so we shouldn't fear starting something or stepping out because if you if you don't step out, there are so many regrets years down there, like oh, if only I'd done this, if only I'd tried this, I'd rather be reflecting and have and laughing over. The things that oh, remember when I did such and such. Remember when such happened. Look at what happened after that. That is a better experience. That's a better life experience.
0: No, I love it. I love it. So yeah, if, um, a lot of people say fail fast, fail often. But, um, can you can you think um, like so? If you was to go back, have you have you got any advice? You would know what you know now on hindsight. Would you do it all again? First one and is there any advice you would give to your to yourself before you set out on this experience this journey
1: yeah would i do it again yes 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 i i would do it again i am continuing to do it and um advice for advice <laughs> i thought it was going to be something i would do in two two years and get back home to my life <laughs> 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 um, it's about yeah. longevity. Yeah. Um, so that would be the advice that, you know, just plan for now, plan for tomorrow, plan for the years. Um, I was just planning for what I was doing and thinking that was it, they'll be changed, I'll be gone home. Um, and what brought it home is I was sharing what I was doing with a friend of mine's husband um because we were looking at the environment and the um cleaning the environments rehabilitating the drainage a- and so on um and i i wrote um a campaign that i took to their council and they liked it they were going to work with it to clean up the streets and get the health better um i started working with their um health providers and sent local youngsters out to talk in local language about what people were doing that wasn't helping their health and what they can be doing differently to make things better. And um, so I said to him, well, you know, once all that's done, you know, the streets will be clean, da-da-da-da, we will be home. And he said to me, Chris, you do realise that actually it took Probably 50 years for us to get that sorted over here. <laughs> 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 I'm like what <laughs> <laughs> So um that was a sobering conversation for me that made me think that actually this is a life calling and I'm either in for the um, the long time with the people um or I wasn't going to make the impact that I'm called to make. And so I started seeing the bigger picture and thinking beyond the little projects that we were doing Um, and something honed me in on the education and I thought, well, it's all right teaching people that are grown up and they formed bad habits and that's hard to change. How about the children? So I was just led to start a school. And that's the fearless Chris. I'm not a teacher. I started a school. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to start a school. Um, I, I was supporting one, but the guy was unscrupulous. Long story. And um, that went down. And I just couldn't see the children um, dropped like that. So I thought, I'm going to start a school. So I started a school in two- 2013 was the idea. Um, I, I, am, I am really... I don't take no for an answer. Until I don't achieve it, um it's possible. So I had two months to renovate a building, I was project managing from the UK. Um every morning before I went to work, I was um um those with Skype, they were sending me swatches of colours. I project managed the renovation from the UK. And in the January, my husband and I went over. And we opened the school on the 14th or 13th of January, 2014. Um, We went for a few weeks, so we sort of sorted everything out. It it just goes to show that it's possible. The building was there. It was run down. It was possible in two weeks. I've seen buildings over there not built in five years, but I didn't have Mm -hmm. to look at that failure. I just needed to look at the strength that was within me or could be within me. I didn't know it was there, but that was down to me to see what was in me. And so I did, and it happened. And um, we started with seven students in the school in January 2014. And um, now we have nursery school and a primary school with um, over 230 students that are thriving. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow, that's amazing um so i'm quite interested about um it can't have been easy coming over as a nine year old girl to england and as a black girl And i'm just curious about where a lot of your strength has come from especially when you like i said when you went to gambia and you you said it was like they you felt like nothing mm. uh, and i think that that, that, has, that surprised me You've started up a business there must have been a lot of challenges along the way <laughs> and a lot of um you know discrimination yeah and i think I think such a great story that you've got because you're an inspiration for you know whatever you've had to overcome to do what you've done in the u k and then to in a way to go to a you know to Gambia and have almost the same discrimination it feels yeah. like Correct me if I'm wrong, um, but yeah, how, how how have you well it's two things that I'm curious about is is how you've how you've worked coped with that and dealt with it, and because it can't be easy, and um I'll come back to the other question because it's just slipped out of my head because I was thinking <laughs> <laughs> I've got a terrible memory, Chris. My,
1: so good. Strength um, yeah, has right, made exactly. me who I am, really. Yeah, um, I think it goes back to my childhood. Um, it, it being brought up in Nigeria, I actually had a favored upbringing there, and then at nine years old, brought in in fact, my education in Nigeria was second to none. I was um, educated by Franciscan nuns. Um, and um so i had a high education that at the age of nine i was i i was able to be accepted in a grammar school in nigeria so bringing a nine-year-old to england to the education system third year primary school uh oh you know (laughs) that was just you know it was just trouble um so many battles because teachers pack. because I, I was ready for grammar school, but the education system here did not allow me that. It was age. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was challenging. It was challenging. And um, so school was challenging. And um, we came to meet my father here who had been here for many years. So he was allowed to bring all um, four, four children and my mother over and um so we didn't know him um oh. and that was a challenging time because my my dad it, it was really he just tried to bring us up the best way he knew how but um it was a brutal upbringing um and i use that word by choice because that's what it was without going into details yeah yeah so um I know what challenge is and having to strive every day. Sorry, I'm feeling choked up now.
0: Oh, square, okay, sorry. <laughs>
1: um, having to strive every day. Um, within a place where you just didn't have a choice, you didn't have a voice. Mm. But believing that there would be something better for you. Um yeah, that kind of ran deep, actually. I didn't realise how deep it still runs. Sorry. Um, I should be apologising. No, I sure. no, shouldn't. Anyway, um, so, and I, I kind of, you have to decide whether you're going to, I mean, there were four of us. We all had to make our decisions. I don't know what decisions my siblings made, but I knew I made a decision that I was going to be true to everything. Okay. no matter what was done to me, I kind of just knew that Chris will survive this. Chris um, will not lie to get anything. Chris will take a beating for telling the truth. And Chris will not fear. So all that was termed as rebellio- I was rebellious. But I've just described to you those things that actually were important to me but as a child it was like oh you're rebellious just agree with this disagree with that no care for what you were thinking you know what you felt so i think my strength that's where my strength came from
0: and um yes yeah, still- you, were, you were true to yourself right you were very... I had, yes, yeah, I had to be because
1: yeah. the environment was changing all the time. So, yeah. if I change with it all the time, I just what was I going to become? Mm. So, um, it, I'm the only one I can be responsible for, and I want people to take that away. That yes, you know, with COVID and what we've had, there were lots of I can't even imagine what people have been through, but be true to yourself because that's what will carry you to um, across um, the rough seas. And when you come out the other end, use those experiences to try and help somebody else over the rough seas. And you will start seeing good happen to you. It goes back to what you said earlier about whatever we see as God, whatever out there, um, it all works in the same way that where you cast your mind is is what what comes to you. Um yeah that 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 was my foundation of um being strong and having to be strong because eventually my sister and I were taken into care because of the brutality mm-hmm. and that had another challenge. It was being thrown from one fire to another fire one rough sea to another rough sea. So um again um I had to be true to myself um in in that. Um and that wasn't plain sailing being in care in
0: in England in the 70s. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: You no,
0: know, I can imagine. I remember just what it was like growing up in the eighties, never mind <laughs> <laughs> maybe in the seventies. Um so yeah, I can see where it's laid a, a big foundation for you. And i gotta say chris you come across you're such a lovely person to talk to i we we may run over today i'll try <laughs> not to but um you also come across as very calm and having got to speak to you now and even when i spoke to adrian your Adrian francis your son that's right yeah? <laughs> yeah um and i can see the massive influence that you've had on him i really really can because um <laughs> I've obviously interviewed so many people but he's one of the ones that have really stuck in my head um and I, he, he's a teacher now so all the things you said it, it, you can see where it's passed on and as a teacher you can see where that's now passing on so it's that some you know those little things we do they they have such a big impact that small that small change and um and, and my mum one of my mum's Quotes that sticks to me is we either become victims or survivors, and you've obviously you've obviously become a survivor, and you've passed you're passing that knowledge on to other people. Uh, And I love I love that what you've done over in Gambia because it's having you know you thought about the long term. And do you feel what what do you feel? There's obviously changes changes going to happen whether we like it or not change happened in your life that you had no control over. And like you said, you decided to take, you know, account. well, this is, this is how it's going to be for me. And, and, you know, you've used that as a force for good to, um, make positive changes in your own life and your family's life and, um, over in Gambia and obviously joining the part of the Rotary club. Do you, there's always a lot more to learn though, right? And what do you feel we can learn from is there much for us you know there's got to be not much to us what can we learn from um your experiences over in gambia and and say for this country and even maybe stuff that's going on in um, gambia afghanistan at the moment um what i feel we've always got a long way to go yeah um, i I still can never get my head around as human beings and uh, we can fly to the freaking moon but there's just some things we just can't seem to sort out on our own planet
1: yeah um what came to me as you were talking is that um something I, I've seen um repeatedly in the Gambia, mm. that as people from the West, we just have this superior complex over Africa. Um which I, I just totally disagree with because I really believe that they have a lot to teach us mm. um in the, the one of the things is the pace of life um and the time that they give to things like we don't hold like greeting you know in the gambia when you meet somebody the time you spend greeting them could be a minute could be more but over here we just got hi off we go Mm. oh you're busy yeah go go Russian. um yeah that's one the the very first thing that they value what they speak into each other when they first meet um and they just don't say say it carelessly that it, it you can although i don't understand the language you can feel that the, the that they mean what they're saying to each other and and that's good and um, also um we must be going there to wherever we go in the world to learn their way of life before we can actually do anything that's going to impact them not decide that we are going to take this and give it to them and they must like it because it might not fit into the way they um, their culture and their traditions we need to understand what makes them tick a bit or find people who can walk along with us to explain, because that's what I do. I, I haven't got the years to understand the custom of Africa, although I was born in Africa. I was born up, brought up as an English child. So I have people over there who I run things by. Even the language I use, when I write a letter, I would always say, read it over for me. If there are any words, do you understand what I'm trying to say? And when I've taken people with me, they say, oh, Chris, you just change. I said, well, I have to. They have to be able to understand my manner, my words, my ways. And so I I have to change to mimic them sometimes um, so that we can begin to relate. Um, And it goes with what I said before about wasn't looking to change them. I just... Um, I didn't want them picking up the bad habits that we have picked up over here, so I want them not uh, to pick those up, but I wanted them to use what they have
0: better for themselves. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. I love it. And I, I guess it it's about it's communication, isn't it? Same of any because yeah. it, it's a relationship that you're building over there, and for them to, yeah, I think for anything is seek seek first to understand. Yeah. Right. You put it so well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All those books I read. They they paid <laughs> off. <laughs> um, yes. we're just about to finish up, Chris. And I, I think I'm gonna have to get you on another another podcast. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Very heart-moving, and it's so so inspiring. So I, I really hope if this encourages even one person to you know follow a path that you've done, or even to help out. Now you have got a... You're based in. are you based in Milton Keynes? Yes, I'm based in Milton Keynes, and most and our
1: trustees are um, trustees of the Oasis project, the Gambia are based in Milton Keynes. I you know I registered the charity properly in two thousand and eleven. um and so even before that, uh, you know I did my accounts and everything. just it was all part of that transparency that I spoke to Be- before you're held accountable, make yourself accountable
0: yeah definitely definitely and that's that is important as well but you've got a charity ball coming up i'm just going to put it up on the screen don't know yeah. if anyone can see it let's see if i can just go here we can still talk so tell us you know when's the charity balls the saturday 9th of october and what what you're raising for specifically
1: we're, we're raising for um another school bus because the one we've had um if you know roads in africa they don't really withstand anything but um we bought one in 2015 and it has lasted six years, which is amazing because it does like eight journeys a day in rough wow. roads. Because yeah. um, it has to ferry children backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And these children um, just wouldn't be able to get to school if we didn't have the school bus. And um, it, it is old now. We will sell it for a price because we won't give it away. We always <laughs> try to yeah, it. And then put it towards the the next one because we do need to have a bigger one now as the school has grown. So that is the plan that we we need to raise funds to get um another school bus so that these children can get to
0: school. Cool. Um, and what sort of so for the actual ball itself? Um, any anything specific that will be there or is just coming um, up?
1: We we have a live band. I, I think it's time for everyone to come out and party. Yeah, yeah. Um, and party responsibly. And um, we're having it at Hallwood House, which is a lovely setting. Um, so glad drags on and um, live band. We will be telling a bit of a story of the charity. It is a fundraising event. I think there's a silent auction. We've got other auction prizes like a McLaren experience um, <laughs> and um, um, two weeks accommodation in the Gambia um one week um accommodation in spain and a few other things that i can't remember off the top of my head um what else would be doing yeah you'll be eating three course meal gourmet Nine. meal, and um i will that night be, be telling my why um which is a, a little different to what we've covered today yeah we've yeah today <laughs> and a lot of dancing a lot of dancing, meeting new people, laughter. There has to be laughter in everything I do. If you ask anyone, you know, like I'm laughing now, even when I was talking about the painful things, there was still a smile on my face. This is just Chris. Um,
0: yeah, Mm. yeah, well, laughter's so important, and you're you're so right. After God, it feels like (laughs) all our life we've been locked in, or whatever. Uh, (laughs) such a great time to do it. So, yeah, I wish you. Wish everyone all the best and I'm sure it'd be a big success. But yeah, get yourself yeah. along to, to that board. And it's not too far away. So it's um no, it's still, it's right. There's still tickets left. Yes, there are tickets left, and you can buy tickets directly from our website, um, yeah. the oasisproject.org. oasisproject.org. And if you can pop that into the comments on um, my Facebook and I'll share it on the other platforms that we're just okay. looking out to. Thank you so much, uh uh Chris. has been thanks for having me. I still can't get my head over your great-grandmother though but <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yes I try not to let it
1: define me I'm a child uh, at heart
0: <laughs> yes yes but uh, I've really enjoyed this interview and I'd love to get you back on another time and just um, you know speed and God bless for everything that you're doing and um, good luck with all the projects and please say hello to Adrian and I'm sure he's watching anyway at some point. (laughs) I don't even think
1: I've told him that you're speaking
0: to (laughs) me. Yes, yes. I
1: saw him last night. (laughs) He's at school. He's at school. He must
0: have gone back today, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and um, if anyone wants to come on a um, volunteer trip with me, you will have a lovely holiday, but you'll also um, be impacting lots of people. So I'm, I'm always looking to take one, two. It doesn't have to be a large group you see the gambia as it is it's not orchestrated so you 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 see it as it as it is some of it you might not agree with but it it it, it really gives you food for thought and um it it actually um, what people have said is that it actually puts um delivers into their lives as well so it's not just about going to give it's oh, receiving 100%. as well
0: yeah no actually, you know what um, I did some backpacking years ago we went to south africa and we went to some of the townships and sat right in the township having a drink with the you know the people live around there and it was it does it it put a lot into perspective and Mm. went to one of the zulu villages as well um and i think for me i'm sorry i'm going off on one it, it it made me feel definitely showed how privileged i am just even just living in the uk um but also, everyone seems so happy.
1: Mm.
0: Everyone sort of seems so happy. Like, oh, how how do you live? Well, this is our this is our home. Is one room, and we all sleep twelve of us in this room. Mm. And everyone was smiling. So, like you said there just now, I think it's a nice one to finish on. There's laugh, There's <laughs> confined happiness. We can we can find happiness, and you know, even when we feel like there's not happening for us um what's going on yeah oh my god what a great experience so yes get yourself over um just stay on as we finish um uh Chris, i just want to speak to you about uh someone i want to connect you with but thank you everyone all right i hope you've got some from that please comment below and um i'll see you very very soon i've got a new podcast coming out on tuesdays with andrew so it's the inner power uh podcast uh but more on that another time right peace away There's my my camera gone. There it is. (laughs) Always in love, always. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.